0: Chapter twenty nine of the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Chapter twenty nine Contested Relationship. The King Explains the Loss. A Question of Handwriting. Digging Up the Corpse. Huck Escapes. They was fetching a very nice-looking old gentleman along, and a nice-looking younger one, with his right arm in a sling, and my souls, how the people yelled and laughed, and kept it up. But I didn't see no joke about it, and I judged it would strain the Duke and the King some to see any. I reckon they'll turn pale, but no, nary a pale did they turn. The Duke, he never let on, he suspicioned what was up, but just went a-goo-gooing around, happy and satisfied, like a jug that's goggling out buttermilk. And as for the king, he just gazed and gazed down sorrowful on them newcomers, like it give him the stomach ache in his very heart to think there could be such frauds and rascals in the world. Oh, he'd done it admirable. Lots of principal people gathered around the king to let him see they was on his side, that old gentleman that had just come looked all puzzled to death pretty soon he began to speak and i see straight off he pronounced like an englishman not the king's way though the king was pretty good for an imitation i can't give the old gent's words nor i can't imitate him but he turned around to the crowd and says about like this
1: this is a surprise to me which i wasn't looking for and i'll acknowledge Candid and frank, I ain't very well fixed to meet it and answer it, for my brother and me has had misfortunes. He's broke his arm, and our baggage got put off at a town above here last night, in the night, by mistake. I am Peter Wilkes' brother Harvey, and this is his brother William, which can't hear nor speak, and can't even make signs to amount to much. Now he's only got one hand to work them with. We are who we say we are, and in a day or two, when I get the baggage, I can prove it. But up till then, I won't say nothing more but go to the hotel and wait. So him and the new dummy
0: started off, and the king he laughs and blithers out,
2: broke his arm very likely, ain't it, and very convenient too, for a fraud that's got to make signs and ain't learned how lost their baggage that's mighty good and mighty ingenious under the circumstances
1: so he
0: laughed again and so did everybody else except three or four or maybe half a dozen one of these was that doctor another one was a sharp-looking gentleman with a carpet-bag of the old-fashioned kind made out of carpet-stuff they had just come off of the steamboat, and was talking to him in a low voice, and glancing toward the king now and then, and nodding their heads. It was Levi Bell, the lawyer that was gone up to Louisville, and another one was a big rough husky, that come along and listened to all the old gentleman said, and was listening to the king now. And when the king got done, this husky up and says,
3: "'Say, looky here!' If you are Harvey Wilkes, when would you come to this town?
2: The day before the funeral, friend, says the king.
3: But what time of day?
2: In the evening. About an hour or two before sundown.
3: How'd you come?
2: I come down on the Susan Powell from Cincinnati.
3: Well, then, how'd you come to be up at the pint in the morning in a canoe?
2: I weren't up at the pint in the morning.
3: It's a lie.
0: Several of them jumped for him and begged him not to talk that way to an old man and a preacher
3: preacher be hanged he's a fraud and a liar he was up at the point that morning i live up there don't i well i was up there and he was up there i see him there he come in a canoe along with tim collins and a boy
4: the doctor he up and says would you know the boy again if you was to see him hines
3: i reckon i would but i don't know why yonder he is now i know him perfectly easy
4: it was me he pointed at the doctor says, Neighbors, I don't know whether the new couple is frauds or not. But if these two ain't frauds, I am an idiot, that's all. I think it's our duty to see that they don't get away from here until we've looked into this thing. Come along, Hines. Come along, the rest of you. We'll take these fellows to the tavern and affront them with t'other couple. And I reckon we'll find out something before we get through it was nuts for the crowd though maybe not for the king's friends
0: so we all started it was about sundown the doctor he led me along by the hand and was plenty kind enough but he never let go of my hand we all got in a big room in the hotel and lit up some candles and fetched in a new couple first
4: the doctor says i don't wish to be too hard on these two men but I think they're frauds, and they may have complices that we don't know nothing about. If they have, won't the complices get away with that bag of gold Peter Wilkes left? It ain't unlikely. If these men ain't frauds, they won't object to sending for that money, and letting us keep it till they prove they're all right. Ain't that so?" Everybody agreed
0: to that. So why judged. They had our gang in a pretty light place right at the outstart. But the king, he only looks sorrowful and says,
2: Gentlemen, I wish the money was there, for I ain't got no disposition to throw anything in the way of a fair, open, out-and-out investigation of this miserable business. But, alas, the money ain't there, and you can send and see if you want to
4: where is it then
2: well when my niece gave it to me to keep for her i took and hid it inside of the straw tick of my bed not wishing to bank it for the few days would be here and considering the bed a safe place we not being used to niggers and suppose i'm honest like servants in england the nigger stole it in the very next morning after i went downstairs and when i sold em i hadn't missed the money yet so they got clean away with it my servants here can tell you about it gentlemen
0: the doctor and several said shucks yes. and i see nobody didn't altogether believe em one man asked me if i see the niggers steal it i said no but i see them sneaking out of the room and hustling away and i never thought nothing only i reckoned they was afraid they had waked up my master, and was trying to get away before he made trouble with them. That was all they asked me. Then the doctor whirls on me and says, Are you English too? I says yes, and him and some others laughed and said, Stuff! Tough. Well, then they sailed in on the general investigation, and there we had it, up and down, hour in, hour out and nobody ever said a word about supper, nor even seemed to think about it, and so they kept it up, and kept it up, and it was the worst mixed-up thing you ever see. They made the king tell his yarn, and they made the old gentleman tell hisn, and anybody but a lot of prejudiced chuckleheads would have seen that the old gentleman was spinning truth into other one lies. And by and by, they had me up to tell what I knowed. The king, he gave me a left-handed look out of the corner of his eye, and so I knowed enough to talk on the right side. I began to tell about Sheffield, and how we lived there, and all about the English Wilkeses, and so on. But I didn't get pretty fur, till the doctor begun to laugh, and Levy Bell, the lawyer, says,
5: SET DOWN, MY BOY i wouldn't strain myself if i was you i reckon you ain't used to lying it don't seem to come handy what you want is practice you do it pretty awkward
0: i didn't care much for the compliment but i was glad to be let off anyway the doctor he started to say something and turns and says if you'd been in town at first levi bell the king broke in and reached out his hand, and says,
2: Why, is it my poor dead brother's old friend that he's wrote so often about?
0: The lawyer and him shook hands, and the lawyer smiled and looked pleased, and they talked right along a while, and then got to one side and talked low, and at last the lawyer speaks up and
5: says, That'll fix it. I'll take the order and send it, along with your brother's. And then they'll know it's all right.
0: So they got some paper and a pen, And the king, he sat down and twisted his head to one side. And charred his tongue. And scrawled off something. And then they give the pen to the duke. And then for the first time the duke looked sick. But he took the pen and wrote. So then the lawyer turns to the new old gentleman and says,
5: You and your brother, please write a line or two and sign your names.
0: The old gentleman wrote, but nobody couldn't read it. The lawyer looked powerful astonished and says,
5: Well, it beats me.
0: And snaked a lot of old letters out of his pocket and examined them. And then examined the old man's writing. And then them again. And then says,
5: These old letters is from Harvey Wilkes. And here's these two handwritings. And anybody can see they didn't write them
0: the king and the duke look sold and foolish i tell you i see how the lawyer had took them in
5: and here's this old gentleman's handwriting and anybody can tell easy enough he didn't write them fact is the scratches he makes ain't properly writing at all now here's some letters from
1: the new old gentleman says if you please let me explain nobody can read my hand but my brother there so he copies for me it's his hand you've got there not mine well says the lawyer
5: this is a state of things i've got some of william's letters too so if you'll get him to write a line or so we can come he can't
1: write with his left hand says the old gentleman if he could use his right hand you would see that he wrote his own letters and mine too look at both please they're by the same hand the lawyer done it and says
5: i believe it's so and if it ain't so there's a heap stronger resemblance than i'd noticed before anyway well 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 i thought we was right on the track of a solution but it's gone to grasp partly but anyway one thing is proved these two ain't either of em wilkeses
0: and he wagged his head toward the king and the duke well what do you think that mule-headed old fool wouldn't give in then indeed he wouldn't said it weren't no fair test said his brother william was the cussedest joker in the world and hadn't tried to write he see william was going to play one of his jokes the minute he put the pen to paper and so he warmed up and went warbling and warbling right along till he was actually beginning to believe what he was saying himself. But pretty soon the new gentleman broke in and says,
1: I've thought of something. Is there anybody here that helped to lay out my br- helped to lay out the late Peter Wilkes for burying? Yes, says somebody.
3: Me and Ab Turner done it. We're both here.
1: Then the old man turns toward the king and says, Perhaps this gentleman can tell me what was tattooed on his breast. Blamed if the king didn't have to brace up mighty quick,
0: or he'd a squished down like a bluff bank that the river has cut under. It took him so sudden, and mind you, it was a thing that was calculated to make most anybody squash to get fetched such a solid one. As that without any notice, because how was he going to know what was tattooed on that man? He whitened a little, he couldn't help it, and it was mighty still in there, and everybody bending a little forwards and gazing at him. Says I to myself, now he'll throw up the sponge, there ain't no more use. Well, did he? A body can't hardly believe it, but he didn't i reckoned he thought he'd keep the thing up till he tired them people out so they'd thin out and him and the duke could break loose and get away anyway he set there and pretty soon he begun to smile and says
2: it's a very tough question ain't it yes sir i can tell you what's tattooed on his breast it's just a small thin blue arrow that's what it is and if you don't look close you can't see it now what do you say eh hey?
0: well i never see anything like that old blister for clean out-and-out cheek the new old gentleman turns brisk towards ab turner and his pard and his eyes light up like he judged he got the king this time and says
1: there you've heard what he said was there any such mark on peter wilkes's breast both of them spoke up and says we didn't see no such mark good says the old gentleman now what you did see on his breast was a small dim p and a b which is an initially dropped when he was young and a w with dashes between them so p b w
0: and he marked them that way on a piece of paper come ain't that what you saw both of them spoke up again and says
3: no we didn't we never seen any marks at all
0: well everybody was in a state of mind now and they sings out
4: the whole billin of em's frauds
3: let's duck him.
4: <laughs> let's drown em
2: let's ride em on a rail
0: and everybody was whooping at once and there was a rattling pow-wow but the lawyer he jumps on the table and yells and says
5: gentlemen gentlemen hear me just a word just a single word if you please there's one way yet let's go and dig up the corpse and look
0: that took them. Hooray! They all shouted. And was starting right off. But the lawyer and the doctor sung out. Hold on, hold on. Hold on.
5: Call all these foremen and the boy and fetch them along too.
2: We'll you do, we'll do, do it. it.
5: They all shouted.
2: And if we don't find the marks, we'll lynch the whole gang.
0: I was scared now, I tell you. But there weren't no getting away, you know. They gripped us all and marched us right along straight for the graveyard which was a mile and a half down the river and the whole town at our heels for we made noise enough and it was only nine in the evening as we went by our house i wished i hadn't seen mary jane out of town because now if i could tip her the wink she'd light out and save me and blow on our dead beats well we swarmed along down the river road just carrying on like wildcats and to make it more scary the sky was darkening up and the lightning beginning to wink and flitter and the wind to shiver amongst the leaves this was the most awful trouble and the most dangerousome i ever was in and i was candor stunned everything was going so different from what i had allowed for instead of being fixed so i could take my own time if i wanted to and see all the fun and have mary jane at my back to save me and set me free when the close fit come here was nothing in the world betwixt me and sudden death but just them tattoo marks if they didn't find them i couldn't bear to think about it and yet somehow i couldn't think about nothing else it got darker and darker and it was a beautiful time to give the crowd the slip but that big husky had me by the wrist Heinz, and a body might as well try to give gollier the slip he dragged me right along he was so excited and i had to run to keep up when they got there they swarmed into the graveyard and washed over it like an overflow and when they got to the grave they found they had about a hundred times as many shovels as they wanted but nobody hadn't thought to fetch a lantern but they sailed into digging anyway by the flicker of the lightning and set a man to the nearest house a half a mile off to borrow one so they dug and dug like everything and it got awful dark and the rain started and the wind wished and swished along and the lightning come blisker and blisker and the thunder boomed and then people never took no notice of it they was so full of this business and one minute you could see everything and every face in that big crowd, and the shovelfuls of dirt sailing up out of the grave, and the next second the dark whipped it all out, and you couldn't see nothing at all. At last they got out the coffin and begun to unscrew the lid, and then such another crowding and shouldering and shoving as there was to scrooge in and get a sight. You never see and in the dark that way it was awful hans he hurt my wrist dreadful pulling and tugging so and i reckon he clean forgot i was in the world he was so excited and panting all of a sudden the lightning let go a perfect sluice of white glare and somebody sings out
1: <gasps> by the living jingo here's the bag of gold on his breast
0: hans let out a whoop like everybody else and dropped my wrist and gave a big surge to bust his way in and get a look and the way i let out and shined for the road in the dark there ain't nobody can tell i had the road all to myself and i fairly flew leastways i had it all to myself except the solid dark and the now and then glares and the buzzing of the rain and the thrashing of the wind and the splitting of the thunder and sure as you are born i did clip it along when i struck the town i see there weren't nobody out in the storm so i never hunted for no back streets but humped it straight through the main one and when i begun to get towards our house i aimed my eye and said it no light there the house all dark which made me feel sorry and disappointed i don't know why but at last just as I was sailing by, flash comes the light in Mary Jane's window, and my heart swelled up sudden, like to burst. And the same second the house and all was behind me in the dark, and wasn't ever going to be before me, no more in this world, she was the best girl I ever see, and had the most sand. The minute I was far enough above the town to see I could make the towhead, I began to look sharp for a boat to borrow. And the first time the lightning showed me one that wasn't chained, I snatched it and shoved. It was a canoe, and weren't fastened with nothing but a rope. The towhead was a rattling big distance off, away out there in the middle of the river, but I didn't lose no time. And when I struck the raft at last, I was so fagged, I would have just laid down to blow and gasp if I could afford it, but I didn't. As I sprung aboard, I sung out. Out with ye, Jim, and set her loose. Glory be to goodness, we're shut of them. Jim lit out, and was a-coming for me with both arms spread. He was so full of joy, that when I glimpsed him in the lightning, my heart shot up in my mouth, and I went overboard backwards. For I forgot he was old King Lear and a drownded Arab, all in one and it was most scared the livers and lights out of me but jim fished me out and was going to hug me and bless me and so on he was so glad i was back and we was shut of the king and the duke but i says not now have it for breakfast cut loose and let her slide so in two seconds away we went a sliding down the river and it did seem so good to be free again and all by ourselves on the big river "'and nobody to bother us. "'I had to skip around a bit "'and jump up and crack my heels a few times. "'I couldn't help it. "'But about the third crack, "'I noticed a sound that knowed mighty well "'and held my breath and listened and waited. "'And sure enough, "'when the next flash busted out over the water, "'here they come, "'and just a-laying to their oars "'and making their skiff hum. "'It was the king and the duke.' So I wilted right down on the planks then and give up, and it was all I could do to keep from crying. End of chapter twenty nine.